This is episode 538 of the AWS podcast, released on July 24th, 2022. Join us for two days of cloud security, identity, compliance, and privacy at AWS Reinforce on July 26th to 27th in Boston, Massachusetts. Go to reinforce.awsevents.com to learn more and register. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesher here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by two very special guests today. Firstly, I'm joined by Dr. Sasha Bashkarada, who is the worldwide lead for the AWS Cloud Adoption Framework. G'day, Sasha. How are you doing? Uh, good day, Simon. Doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. That is good. And Jason Turst, who is the Senior Practice Manager here at AWS and leads the advisory practice for the US Department of Defense. G'day, Jason. G'day, Simon. How are you? I am good. Now, we are going to talk about cloud adoption, and I think the the diversity of locations here. So, uh, Sasha's actually in Melbourne, so he enjoys good coffee like myself. Jason's in Arlington, so he's in the US. Uh, you know, cloud expertise is a worldwide thing, <laughs> and we need to grab the best and brightest ideas from everywhere and all the things that customers are doing. So, today we're going to talk about the cloud adoption framework and some of the things that have been going on with it. And Sasha, if I can start with you, what is the AWS Cloud Adoption Framework, or CAF, all about? Well, the AWS CAF is really all about helping our customers digitally transform and accelerate their business outcomes uh, through innovative use of AWS. Uh, so we've developed the Cloud Adoption Framework based on our experience and best practices that we've gained over the years through thousands of customer engagements uh, globally. And the AWS CAF really provides us with uh, common terminology uh, as well as guidance that uh, customers, partners, and our internal AWS teams uh, can use to think about cloud-powered digital business transformation. Uh, so the AWS CAF is really used to, to help identify and prioritize uh, transformation opportunities uh, in the first place. Uh, and then also to help evaluate and improve organizational cloud readiness. So how ready an organization is to transform at scale. And then as well as to uh, iteratively evolve uh, transformation roadmaps over time. And I think it's interesting because, you know, as, as technologists often we sit back and go, well, how hard can it be to make a change? But the answer is really, really hard because it involves people, process, technology, a whole bunch of other stuff. And the other thing is that, you know, the cloud's been around for more than 15 years now. Um, it's 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 not new yet for many organisations. It's it's still a transformational opportunity. Um, why is that? Like you would think it's you know everything's done already. No, certainly it's still it's still a transformational opportunity, and we are just getting started. So McKinsey, for instance, uh, published a study last year where they estimated that cloud may deliver more than a trillion US dollars worth of value across the Fortune 500 companies over the next decade. Uh, and McKinsey specifically identified more than $400 billion in potential value to do with the modernization-related initiatives. And by modernization, they defined anything to do with, um, obviously, application and infrastructure migration and modernization, but also automating, um, uh, digitizing, automating, and optimizing existing business processes within the organization. So more than 400 billion uh, associated with those efforts. And then an additional potentially over $700 billion associated with uh, innovation related uh, cloud initiatives. So leveraging cloud to uh, develop new products and services, uh, reach new customers, enter new markets, uh, and grow your revenue. So basically, uh, we're just getting started. Uh, lifting and shifting and migrations are just the, the first step. There's still a lot of uh, opportunities and a lot of value to be gained uh, uh, over the years for, for many organizations. 
Yeah, there's a, a lot to be done. You know, a billion here, a billion there, pretty soon you're talking real money. Uh, there's, there's lots of opportunity out there. And one of the things that I always marvel at, and this happens throughout technology, is that, uh, you know, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. So not everyone's taking advantage of things, et cetera. But let's, let's dive into maybe you know, where the rubber hits the road. Um, Jason, let me come to you. Can you help us understand where you've used the AWS CAF with some of your customers and what that looks like and what that experience does? So I, I typically work very closely with large uh, military organizations. Uh, so these are major program offices or major activities that do shipbuilding or build aircraft. And in, in that process, leverage cloud for a lot of different use cases to develop software, do collaboration. But fundamentally, CAF enables us to have a discussion about why change? What's the compelling interest and who needs to be in the room? It helps us drive a focused, inclusive discussion about stakeholder involvement uh, and capability development and linking that overall to, we talk a lot about mission outcomes with defense or business outcomes. But really, uh, CAF provides a common way to think about cloud adoption and a common way to build that inclusive participation, which is absolutely critical to the organizational transformation. It fundamentally opens up a lot of opportunities for customers to talk about capabilities and talk about stakeholders. Uh, and it really kind of opens up a discussion about what effective procurement and architecture looks like in IT. So it goes well beyond sort of that that technology conversation. It's really saying, yeah, who who all's involved in everything we're going to be doing here? And absolutely, I think it's, it's yep. interesting who's in the room for a calf. You know, it's not, it's probably not who you think. <laughs> so, <laughs> or at least the first instance. It, it, it depends, but our our early sessions, uh, which I think we're going to talk a little bit more about them in workshop format, but the early sessions are really about building a common vision of what right looks like for an organization. So everybody getting bought in around those business or mission outcomes. Also, uh, getting folks in the room to have a discussion about who should be in the room, because what mm. we're trying to drive, mm. to your point, is about transformation and modernization. It's not necessarily just about the IT um, it might be getting ships out of shipyards more quickly on time to the fleet, which I've had a, had a customer that I've worked with has that problem. U.S. Navy has, has a lot of ships and a lot of maintenance. Uh, we work with the United States Army on you know, equipping soldiers for innovation. And so these are very large Army organizations with like 92,000 personnel. So we have to be very, very cross-functional. So. Yeah, in practice, so, so, going back to sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, so let's let's talk about that 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 practical part. Like, what does yeah. what does the get together look like? So the get together in practice, it, it really boils down to consultants facilitating and leading workshops and road mapping engagements directly with customers. Uh, we offer three common workshops in in our DoD practice that build upon the cloud adoption framework, really to build support for change and develop a common sense of urgency and create the initial core team that's going to be focused on transformation and modernization. So these workshops, uh, as I mentioned, lead in with something called a cloud adoption framework envisioning workshop. Uh, we also have a secondary workshop to build action plans. And then finally, migration readiness assessments, which have been around for a long time, but mm -hmm. uh, migration readiness assessments actually build from the same CAF perspectives in order to develop uh, a current as-is readiness assessment for an organization going to the cloud. All of these use CAF as a common start point, though. And our advisory team also engages in maybe tailored road mapping activities with customers that also that build on CAF. And I think it's interesting because this is really about getting getting those key decision makers and the the people who can say yes and just as importantly the people who can say no, and actually getting them together <laughs> and getting them to agree <laughs> on the direction of travel. 
Yeah, it may surprise some, but that is a very, very hard part of just doing cloud adoption, getting people into a room who are decision makers to clarify expectations. And, you know, uh, I hate to get into like psychology, but like unmet or un, un, unspoken expectation is often mm. where we think IT transformation will fail. So IT transformation often fails because of politics and kind of this, what I call the sociological elements. So really kind of getting those expectations voiced and where organizations have formal strategies, really aligning those expectations with the formal strategies and the stakeholders is a key starting point to figuring out what that benefits value picture looks like for a customer. There's also, I guess, that sort of demystification part here because, you know, most people have a degree of pride and degree of ego to varying varying levels. And, and being in a room like that and saying, well, I actually don't know what any of this cloud stuff is and there's all these buzzwords that I don't understand. Um, yeah. it, it means that poor decisions get made versus this approach, which is really a far more collaborative explaining type approach so people can make informed decisions. Absolutely. So to that point, sometimes the, the outcome of the envisioning workshop um, – you know, ideally, we, we neatly can line up, you know, outcomes, stakeholders and capabilities right to left. But in reality, we always leave with some work to be done on maybe informing a certain party. Uh, we work very closely with solutions architects to maybe demonstrate what's what's actually in the realm of the, the, the possible. Sometimes we work with our cloud economics teams and really demystify things like cost and financial mm-hmm. management in the cloud. So we often come away with a little bit of a to-do list, maybe a formal learning needs analysis, but typically more just a to-do list with key executive stakeholders uh, to, to really kind of address maybe their concerns or yeah. inform them of, of how the technology can be leveraged uh, to advance their needs. So let's talk about a real engagement. Let's, let's talk about a, a customer success story that you worked on. Uh, certainly. So I, I work closely with U.S. Department of Defense, very, very uh, narrowly, actually. Uh, I don't typically work with defense industrial companies. So I work with organizations, again, that build ships, planes, uh, cyber capabilities in some cases, operational components of, of the Army, uh, such as infantry divisions and, and flying units. So uh, I would say a key focus of most of these, or at least the acquisition components, is the modernization of digital engineering processes and data-driven collaboration. This would be, for instance, working with a shipbuilder to really better understand how cloud can enable collaboration from what I call the Navy Yard or Navy Headquarters all the way down to a shipyard. And the U.S. Navy has worldwide shipyards. So we've we've collaborated with the U.S. Navy on how they can collaborate leveraging cloud-based resources. Similarly, on the digital engineering front, we work very closely with customers in the Department of Defense that are rationalizing their product lifecycle management systems in order to create authoritative data sets that can be viewed by industry partner as well as the defense partner in the whole engineering process. So a building a component of a ship or an airplane using authoritative data end to end with every industry partner. Now, mind you, some of these large programs actually have several dozen, if not around a hundred or more primary industry partners when it comes to building a ship or an aircraft. So this may sound like a simple task, but to actually provide authoritative <laughs> data through the entire life cycle that can be warranted and actually at the end of the day, put on contract and built out is actually a very challenging exercise. Um, so to, to encapsulate that as product lifecycle management rationalization is kind of an oversimplification. It really mm-hmm. gets to how we transform the overall end-to-end process with a customer. 
And part of this was really moving to a, a more modernized software delivery practice, so sort of DevSecOps, et cetera. I think that, that was a real transition for the organization and, and continues to go on. Absolutely. So the uh, Department of Defense, uh, U.S. Department of Defense, really began investing in DevSecOps and software modernization in various forms a few years ago. Uh, this has been a key to, uh, trend in DoD acquisition, uh, which really kind of resets the partnering relationship between a defense program office and an industry supplier and makes it much more collaborative in practice. It also changes kind of roles around things like data rights and design. And so working through the cloud adoption framework process, we kind of highlight those stakeholder relationships and kind of uh, come, up to, uh, come up to opportunities to work together on delivering a new capability in a new way, leveraging DevSecOps. So in practice from engagements, uh, so I, I started the advisory practice with DOD about 15 months ago. Uh, currently have about a half dozen consultants working with me, but from engagements that I did personally about, oh, almost a year and a half ago, we've seen our customers consistently use CAF as kind of a way to steer their digital transformation. We continually go back in and revalidate with the customer uh, those objectives and their stakeholders and use it as kind of a common way to set a high level roadmap with a customer. And then we've also used them more tactically to kind of build migration approaches, modernization approaches, transformation approaches that really help them achieve the value of cloud adoption. I think those those ongoing check ins are really interesting, and you know, the, these things are not easy as we as we mentioned. And you know, success is not guaranteed. I, I guess, Sasha, let me come to you. What are some of the the common blockers that we've seen customers experience in their own cloud transformation journey? Yeah, sure. So we can again defer to McKinsey Research here. So they've identified four high level categories of of blockers to successful cloud transformations, and this is certainly something that we encounter with our customers as well. Uh, so uh, in terms of these four categories, uh, we, we can talk about a pilot stall. So some organizations stall at that pilot stage where they implement a bunch of pilots uh, in production, but they're unable to, to move uh, past those pilots. They're unable to justify additional business cases and, and, uh, and procure additional funding. Uh, and that may be due to the fact that they haven't sufficiently managed to, to realize benefits from those pilots. Uh, if in the first, first place they haven't identified um, you know, specific KPIs and, and business outcomes that those pilots were meant to accelerate, that it may be difficult to, to justify that benefit. And that's why we don't want to be technology driven. That's why we recommend within the cloud adoption framework, a, a business driven approach working back, backwards from the business outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a second type of uh, blocker may have to do with uh, cloud gridlock. So for those those organizations, they may have moved past the pilot stage, but they're unable to, to scale as quickly as they would like with their cloud transformation. And again, this may have to do with, with a lack of appropriate skills and processes, lack of automation, a lack of a suitable uh, operating model. A third category of, of uh, blockers uh, deals with unrealized benefits. So organizations may have lifted and shifted a large portions of their IT estate onto the cloud, but if they're still managing it as they did in their data center by, for instance, just lifting and sh- shifting virtual machines and not taking advantage of various uh, advanced functionalities the cloud has to offer, then they may not be able to, to realize uh, as much benefits, for instance, around agility and those sorts of things. And then the fourth type of category, cloud chaos, if really there is insufficient governance and oversight across the organization, then different business units may take things into their own hands. They may, we may end up with divergent approaches to, to cloud adoption and digital transformation, and that may introduce all sorts of issues around uh, security, reliability, costs, and those sorts of things. 
So probably some some familiar challenges there. And this is this is why the framework exists, really, isn't it? It, it helps solve for this. Exactly, exactly. So that, that, that's where the cloud adoption framework comes into play. So by leveraging the, the AWS CAF, customers hopefully wouldn't be experiencing any of those blockers in the first place, or if some of the customers had experienced some of those blockers in the first place, by leveraging the, the AWS CAF, they should be able to overcome them and accelerate their cloud transformation journeys. Now, now one of the, uh, the facts of life is that everything changes all the time. Uh, the only constant is change. And so the, the world we operate in from a business and technology standpoint changes, which means the CAF has to change as well. And recently we released version three of the AWS CAF. So can you help us understand why the update and what some of those major differences are? Yeah, so Cloud Adoption Framework in AWS, uh, the version one was released all the way back in 2014 at reInvent, so uh, a long time ago. And at that time, the focus was primarily on, on helping classic customers adopt cloud more quickly. And we had a lot of best practices at the time, which we organized within uh, perspectives. Uh, and then in version two, which we released in 2017, we introduced this concept of a capability. So a level down below the perspective to help us organize and group our prescriptive guidance in a more organized fashion. We introduced 31 capabilities underpinning the, the perspectives that we had in, in version one. And that was in 2017. And then really last year, we spent a lot of time collaborating with uh, more than 100 uh, subject matter experts across uh, AWS to refresh that version two to the version three. And some of the drivers behind that was really digital business transformation in the first place. So whereas the version one and version two of the CAF primarily focused on, on cloud adoption, now the world has moved on and now really organizations are not just interested in adopting the cloud, but in leveraging the cloud to, to help uh, them digitally transform. So we've broadened that conversation to, to digital business transformation also include included additional uh, capabilities specifically addressing data and analytics, which was something that was a bit of a gap mm. in versions uh, one and two. And we've also refreshed the underpinning capabilities and expanded the number. So from 31 that we had in uh, version two to now 47 capabilities in, in version three. So from a customer standpoint, how, how do I use this? How do I apply it? Uh, well, Jason's already mentioned a number of the steps or workshops that we engage with customers during their journeys, but the, the cloud adoption framework recommends uh, four iterative and incremental cloud transformation phases. So Jason mentioned envisioning. So envisioning is all about identifying and prioritizing transformation opportunities that are in line with organizational strategic objectives. Uh, also identifying key stakeholders, which is absolutely critical, and identifying those specific measures for the business outcomes so that we can actually demonstrate value as we implement those pilots in production so that we avoid that pilot stall situation in the first place. The second phase uh, that the CAF recommends is, is align. So once we've identified where we want to go in envisioning, then during align, we focus on identifying organizational capability gaps and, and cross-organizational dependencies as well. So doing so would help us then improve organizational cloud readiness and as well as something that we mentioned earlier, ensure that stakeholder alignment. So by bringing different stakeholders in the room and having that conversation, uh, bring that stakeholder alignment and get everyone on the same page, which then helps us over time with uh, organizational change management activities as well. The third phase is launch. So once we've set a scene with envisioning where we want to go and with Align identified some of those capability gaps and, and how to improve our cloud readiness, then with launch, we launch pilots in production. And that's where it becomes important then to, to go back to those KPIs, specific measures for the business outcomes we identify during envisioning so that we can demonstrate the value when we launch pilots in production. 
And once we've demonstrated, hopefully demonstrated value, then we can scale more broadly throughout the organization, which is the fourth phase uh, scale. If for some reason pilots haven't demonstrated the value that we were hoping to achieve in the first place, then we may need to go back to re-envisioning and think about some of the invalid assumptions that we may have had in the first place. But those are basically the four phases, envision, align, launch, and scale. And just keeping in mind that that's a, a, an iterative cycle, so it's not yeah. a waterfall approach. Keeps keeps on keeps on trucking. Keeps on and going. it's interesting. I've I've been fortunate to be part of a, a number of CAFs over my time, and and you know my my fundamental memory is lots of butcher's paper on the wall, lots of pens and texters and writing implements, and lots of post-it notes. Uh, but Jason, you know, we, we we moved very rapidly into a uh, into a virtual first, or in some cases, virtual only world. How were you able to? handle these workshops that were very intense face-to-face experiences in a way that still delivered results. Yeah, it's challenged us to be creative about how we create that inclusive environment uh, that engenders collaboration, some of the creativity inherent by having just people together. While virtual mediums allow us to reach customer teams wherever they might work, which which actually is a benefit, they also present a practical issue of creating these stovepipes. It's simply difficult to read the body language uh, and develop the sort of mm-hmm. engagement that coming up to a whiteboard and kind of presenting would entail. So we're often working with customers who ha- also have other things on their minds. And so like some of <laughs> us, they might uh, be taking chats from their boss or uh, you know chatting with family off to the side. Uh, and those challenges definitely need to be considered when delivering in a virtual format. To the end though, um, you know, we actually, AWS has a CAF, uh, CAF Worldwide Leaders team and a product manager now who have really focused on maturing our virtual delivery and leveraging Miro and Bluescape as collaborative mediums. We've learned as well to use these and be disciplined about how we use follow-up questions and facilitation and white space. But interestingly, I would say over the last uh, about three to six months, as we've begun doing more in-person workshops, we're beginning to blend these delivery mediums. So what we learned from the virtual side, we're pulling into kind of the the hybrid delivery so that we can have inclusive discussions. Uh, We can use Bluescape as kind of a means to record everybody's comments, even though some or maybe the core group is in the room with us. So I I would actually say it's it's leveled us up a bit. We've gotten better at delivery. And so what do you think the keys are to, to successfully running these kinds of workshops? Key ingredients, always going to be a customer who's ready to have a candid discussion, uh, ready for change and ready to include other people, key stakeholders, even those naysayers, the, the no votes and the yes no votes in the same room. Uh, to that end, I also think it's really, really helpful for us to really learn more about our customers before we go into a workshop setting. I may spend time with the customer or their account teams and solutions architects to really go deep on on what they've said and what they've shared to date. What's interesting about working in public sectors, there's often public testimony or public record uh, that may be relevant, that needs consideration before I ever step in the room. So the ingredients, I would say, are having a customer that's willing to have the discussion, willing to include others and ready for change. And then on the AWS side, taking all, all the measures that we can to learn a lot about the customer. their outcomes, their stakeholders, their current capabilities, and frankly, their concerns or their their customers' concerns uh, in many cases. In short, the more that we can kind of clarify those outcomes and the compelling need and vision for change, include those those, uh, key yes-no team members, the more likely we'll be successful. Gotcha, gotcha. And so, you know, if we think about, Sasha, the, the, the envisioning piece, 
talk to us briefly about sort of what, what that process looks like. Like, how do we start that? What are we trying to do? Yeah, sure. So as we said, CAF provides us with a structured approach to, to tackle envisioning. And we, we said earlier that it's all about working backwards from the business outcomes. So as such, the, the CAF identifies four high-level categories of business outcomes that we take as a starting point with our customers. And then through the envisioning workshops, we unpack those further. So the four high-level categories of business outcomes include initially reducing business risk. So organizations may focus on lowering their risk profile through improved reliability, business continuity, increased performance, and enhanced security by leveraging the cloud. Secondly, and this is something new that we introduced in version three of the CAF and something that customers have been increasingly asking us for over the last few years in particular, is helping them improve their environmental, social, and governance, ESG performance. So this is really about leveraging insights to help improve sustainability and corporate transparency. Um, For example, research shows us that AWS infrastructure is 3.6 times more energy efficient than the median of US enterprise data centers surveyed. And also it is the social aspect in ESG is something that's particularly relevant to public sector organizations where financial returns may not be all that important. Uh, The third category of the business outcomes deals with uh, uh, creating new revenue streams and growing the revenue. And this ties back to what we talked about earlier from McKinsey Research in terms of 700 plus billion of opportunities to do with uh, innovation related initiatives. So leveraging cloud to create new products and services, reach new customers, and perhaps enter even new new market segments for organizations. And the fourth type of of business outcome or fourth category that we talk about is increasing operational efficiencies. So this is all about leveraging cloud to help uh, reduce operational costs, uh, increasing productivity, as well as improving employee and customer experience. So those are all, all important and interesting things. J- Jason, from, from your standpoint, I mean, you deal with public sector and defense who have maybe different priorities. I don't know, but how do you translate those? Uh, in many cases, the priorities are actually quite similar. We do reframe the conversation, particularly with defense, around an organization's mission, role, and function. Uh, this helps translate the context of business outcomes to kind of a military or organizational mission accomplishment. That said, most have very similar goals to what we see in the private sector. You know, they're serving a constituency or citizenry rather than customers, but most are very invested in reducing risk, improving governance, creating new capabilities, improving operational efficiency, and even now some of those uh, ESG goals are beginning to come into light in public sector as well. And actually, there's public sector organizations that are leading those changes. So uh, we see them, we see it being relatively consistent in public sector, but sometimes using a specific nomenclature is, is more appropriate given our customer base. Gotcha. And, and Sasha, once we sort of decide you know, where we're heading and what we're trying to achieve, how do we frame up those those transformation initiatives? It can sometimes be a bit overwhelming for customers. Yeah, exactly. And so the cloud adoption framework gives us four categories of transformation domains as well. So we talked about identifying those business outcomes that we would like to focus on and, and help accelerate. But in order to get there, we need to implement organizational change or transformation. So the AWS CAF uh, talks about uh, technological transformation. So that's stuff we've done, been doing for a long time, uh, migrating and modernizing applications and infrastructure, data analytics platforms, and those sorts of things. But that, that is not everything. So then organizations may also wish to focus on, on business operations. So digitizing, automating, not optimizing business processes that we mentioned earlier as well. 
And this may include using uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence to help improve things like customer service experience, uh, employee productivity and decision-making, business forecasting, that sort of a thing. For instance, leveraging uh, Amazon Connect to, to help uh, uh, reimagine and improve the, the service uh, management function and the call centers within the organizations. Thirdly, then the AWS CAV talks about uh, organizational transformation. So how the organization needs to needs to shift the, the operating model. So how the technology teams and business teams may wish to realign or how they coordinate their efforts to, to deliver that customer outcome. For example, from a centralized IT function to cross-functional product teams to enable that agility in the cloud. And the fourth transformation domain that we talk about is, is product transformation. So this is all about transforming the business model, as we talked about, identifying new opportunities, new value propositions and new revenue models that may help us reach those new customers and enter new markets. And, and building upon that, I guess, Sasha, you know, thinking about the, the, the key stakeholders and the metrics, that's a, a fundamental piece here, isn't it? It's really foundational to what you're doing. It is, certainly. So yes, in terms of the stakeholders, we need to involve a broad set of organizational stakeholders on their cloud transformation journey. And once we've identified where we want to go and what some of those initiatives are, then the next step is during the, the alignment workshop is really to bring into the room and to bring together the stakeholders from across all of the six perspectives that we have within the cloud adoption framework. So the six perspectives include business, people, governance, uh, platform, security, and operations. And by bringing all of those different stakeholders into the room, uh, then it helps us identify any gaps or any challenges or issues that they may have within their processes, within their skills, which then helps us to, to work with those stakeholders to develop an action plan to help them mature their capability and ultimately accelerate their cloud transformation journeys. Fantastic. And what about, you know, where, where the rubber hits the road? You know, we've learned about what's in the CAF and, and, and how we can frame up what we're doing, but what about the actual doing? What if a customer just, just can't do it on their own because they don't have enough people, capacity, skills, what have you? Yeah, so certainly we have uh, a lot of our partners can assist uh, customers with their journeys. A lot of our partners uh, use the, the AWS CAF and can deliver those workshops and take customers on the next steps past the workshops as well, as well as within uh, AWS. So we, within professional services, we have many advisory teams across the globe that have been leveraging the cloud adoption framework with our customers for many, many years. And they're certainly well-placed to, to help our customers develop their plans, uh, execute those pilots in production, and then scale more broadly throughout the organization as appropriate. Gotcha. And Jason, you know, it's great to learn from mistakes and you know, our own mistakes are expensive. I find that the cheapest mistakes to learn from are other people's mistakes. What are some of the mistakes made in, in planning and conducting these workshops that you've seen that are probably worth avoiding? I think, uh, and that's true. We do make mistakes and try and learn from them. Uh, learn and be curious is, is a great fallback leadership principle here. Um, you know, one mistake that I see is treating CAF as just a series of workshops. This this happens with consultants treating them as workshops. It happens with customers treating them as workshops. And by that, I mean kind of just one-off events. What we're trying to do with the workshops is actually lead into a strategic transformation, a relationship that really kind of looks long-term uh, on the part of the customer and drives, drives a, a long-term benefit and long-term outcome. The other piece is kind of over-preparation. You know, it can lead to drawing the wrong conclusions. And again, customers kind of make that mistake. We make that mistake. You know, Walking in thinking that we maybe have a 90% solution when the right thing to do is to ask very open-ended questions, 
learn and really compare the specific outcomes that people came to the session with, with maybe those unarticulated expectations. So there's a delicate balance there. And again, I think a good reminder to, to learn and be curious as well as think long-term. Yeah, yeah. Keeping, keeping that open mind is important. Sasha, what have you seen in terms of some of the, the pitfalls to avoid? Yeah, I think the, the focus should be on, on, on keeping an open mind and allowing that flexibility, right? Not, not going for a one-size-fits-all approach. That is really a challenge, although many of our customers do expect us to, to be prescriptive and to have recommended approaches in, in most organizations. Uh, in most cases, these need to be tailored on a, on a case-to-case basis. And that is really why we focus on, on, on getting together with customers during workshops, which allows us to, to tailor our approaches to their specific needs to understand where they are in their particular cloud transformation journeys. So if, if we have folks listening and they go, this, this AWS CAF sounds useful, interesting, something I might want to consider, something I might want to do, uh, get engaged with, how do, I, how do I get started? How do I find out more? Yeah, so we have lots of information publicly available. So the the cloud adoption framework we have available in a number of different formats. We have it available as a as a white paper, as an ebook. Uh, we have a Kindle version, and just uh, recently, earlier this week, we released an audio book version on Audible as well. We've also translated the white paper into 20 different languages. So if English is not your first language or if you speak any other languages, there is a good chance you can find the CAF in that language as well. We're continuing to develop and publish additional prescriptive guidance as, as part of the CAF suite of, of tools. So, so watch this space. And uh, like I said earlier, you can always reach out to our partners or, or directly to, to AWS advisory in particular as part of our professional services organization to, to get help with leveraging the AWS CAF. Yeah, I, li- I like how it's, it's, it's just out there. It's available. You can, you can read it. You can learn it. You can get input from it. I am, I'm though, Sasha, a little, little, little disappointed I wasn't asked to voice the audiobook. So uh, I don't know what I did wrong, but um, <laughs> next version, maybe, version, version maybe four version four. I could do the version four book. I think you'd be great, Sasha. Thanks so much for coming on the show and, and sharing with us what is a really interesting thing for our, our customers and listeners to use. Thanks, Simon. Appreciate it. And Jason, thanks for coming on and, and sharing us a little more about where the rubber hits the road and, and some of those lessons we can all take with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Simon. And we do love to get your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do it. And of course, until next time, keep on building.